Hello and welcome to the Pack Mag Parents Podcast, your place to laugh and learn. Everything we do is to make the lives of everyday parents easier. Without further ado, let's welcome our hostess with the mostess, Bree James. Welcome to the Pack Mag Parents Podcast. I'm Bree James, and on today's episode, we are chatting about parents. Now I'm talking not you, not me, but our parents, because as a child of the 80s, uh, that's me, <laughs> we're known to be the sandwich generation where we will be likely to have our adult children still living at home and also caring for our elderly parents. So it's a pretty big responsibility. Uh, and even though my parents are only in their 70s, I'm starting to really wonder what sort of resources we're going to need uh, to care for them when they're older, you know, what sort of money, whether they'll still live at home, whether they're going to nursing homes. It's on my mind right now uh, because as we grow older, so do our parents, which makes today's topic so important to discuss. And I'm sure it's on your mind too, because what are we supposed to do when our parents are aging? Well, I've hopefully got the answers coming for you today. Uh, today's guest is the founder of See Me Aged Care Navigators and the author of My Parents Are Aging, What the Heck Do I Do? Uh, her name is Coral Wilkinson. Uh, she's very passionate about helping others get better outcomes for their loved ones. And today she joins us on the show to answer all of our questions about caring for our aging parents. So let's welcome her onto Zoom. So tell me, Coral, where do I start if I want to support my aging parents, especially if, you know, staying at home is the better option for them? You know, I'm really surprised that people are unaware of how much support and services are out there that is subsidised by our federal government. Um, so the government has an enormous aged care program that uh, provides a subsidy, which, you know, is a reduced cost for people to stay in their own homes. And they, they offer a lot of programs to support people to do that. And the gateway to accessing all that services and all those supports is called My Aged Care. Uh, so unless someone is incredibly wealthy and wants to privately fund any support that they need, every older person in Australia will probably go through My Aged Care to get access to some sort of subsidised support. So when you say incredibly wealthy, what are we talking here? Like multimillionaires or yeah. like, you know, because I, I guess, you know, my parents, they own their own home, but that's ba basically it. They're not, you know, they're on the pension. They don't really have a whole heap of wealth. So no, so we are not talking about that demographic at all. We're talking about multimillionaires who really are the minority. Um, so self-funded retirees, this is this is something that people, we, we often hear people say, oh, I'm not eligible because I'm a self-funded retiree. And that's absolutely incorrect. So you can still, uh, age care, you know, age pensioners uh, certainly um, are eligible, self-funded retirees, and really self-funded retirees uh, need to have quite a substantial amount of assets and income. Uh, it's not even not being eligible. It's just that at that level, there might be a contribution towards the support that they receive. Yeah, perfect. So it sounds like most people listening right now, their parents are going to be eligible to have the My Age yeah, Care. Absolutely. So what does it look like with My Age Care? What sort of support do they give? So the first thing that I often say to people is if you're thinking about getting support for your older loved ones, your ageing parents, don't just pick up the phone and call My Age Care. You really need to do your research and, and find out what that means 
first because my aged care is actually a call centre, very similar to uh, a telco call centre, Optus, um, you know, Telstra, it's, it's the same kind of situation. So when people contact my aged care, they're not speaking to a clinician and they're not speaking to someone that has an understanding of older person's care. And they're actually not always speaking to people that understand the programs that the government is subsidising. So these call centre staff, they're just people that have, uh, you know, they might be former, I don't know, anything, could be hairdressers or <laughs> no seriously and this is what people don't know and how the system actually disadvantages people is that you have to be aware when you when a person contacts my age care that screening for where my age care is going to steer someone to the two assessment teams begins at that point but they don't tell you that and you're unaware of that so if you're caught off guard and you're answering the questions without a lot of thought uh, then it's more than likely you are not going to get the outcomes that you're entitled to. So you're basically telling us to be one, prepared to answer some pretty solid questions, but two, I guess, go in with knowing what you want and telling them what you want as well. Absolutely. I, I always encourage people that before they contact my aged care, uh, if it's an adult son or daughter, they need to sit down and really have a think about how many hours of support they're providing to their older loved ones each week. What kind of support? Are they cooking meals during the week and then taking them around to mum or dad to put in the freezer? Are they picking them up and taking them to their doctor's appointments? Believe it or not, even something as simple as that creates, uh, you know, creates the presentation for my aged care to be... Um, forwarding that initial contact onto whichever assessment team it might be. So you need to have a very detailed list. And the more you know about the programs as well, then you can guide that My Age Care uh, call centre staff to where you believe your parents need to be. Because what do you recommend that we know before we contact My Age Care? Is it, you know, like you just said, the amount of hours that you're already um, investing? Uh, is it, you know, how many appointments are sort of going to doctors wise? What other things should we be? Yeah, what what so, should be on our list? <laughs> well, the, the easiest way of uh, explaining it to people is sit down and think about a 24-hour period in your older loved one's lives. Think about when they get up in the morning, what are they doing? Are they preparing their breakfast for themselves? Uh, you know, are they, are you, are you calling them to remind them to take their medications in the morning? Or are you calling them to say, hey, mum, remember, we've got your GP appointment at two o'clock. I'll be coming to pick you up. Um, and just work through the day. You know, are they, when they have a shower in the morning, are you concerned that the bathroom's not really well set up and they might actually slip on the, on the floor of the bathroom? And then work your way through the day. Um, and at each point where there is something in the older person's day-to-day -day activities that they've needed support with, then you have to write that down and you have to, you know, you have to write some description about that so that when you do contact My Age Care, you can tell them that um, because My Age Care run, the, those call centre staff run off a script. So it's kind of like a tick and flick and they're asking some basic questions. And if you don't elaborate on those questions, then again, you're not going to get the outcomes or your older loved ones won't get the outcomes that they're entitled to. 
So you have to go into a lot of detail. And when you've looked at that 24 hour period, then take a look at over a week, because, you know, like I mentioned, you might be cooking up meals during the week and then taking them over uh, on the weekends, or you might be visiting mum and dad on the weekends and mowing their yard or cleaning their fans or cleaning their windows or whatever. You have to write all that down. Um, you know, there's uncomfortable things that uh, I, I put it out there. I'm a nurse, so I have no uh, qualms in talking about the uncomfortable things, but, you know, things like continence or incontinence as well. Um, that's really, really important, and it's a really difficult conversation to broach even between older people and their GPs or sons and daughters and their mums and dads but it, it, it's actually really important and the other thing um, is cognition or impaired cognition which is you know in the context of memory loss um, maybe an emerging dementia if, if, if your older loved ones are ringing you multiple times a day and, and needing reminders for something, um, then you need to write that down. Any issues that perhaps you've seen with your, with your parents that you might think, oh, their memory's just not so great, you need to write that down. And the other thing, of course, is care stress. And that's a big red flag when we're talking about assessing older people, and especially in the context of getting the right assessment. Um, care stress we recognise as a high risk because sons and daughters or spouses who are looking after an older loved one who are really, really struggling, we recognise that um, there's a, that, you know, that's a high-risk situation and perhaps that caring role is unsustainable unless formal support and services are put in place. Great to know because I guess, you know, you sort of think my parents are still okay to be at home but, you know, because you've got that stage of they wanting to stay there but then what about when they have to move into that aged care facility or, you know, what happens then? Is that something that, you know, financially uh, the sandwich generation are going to have to pay for or, you know, is there any out-of-pockets and things like that? Yeah, look, that, to tell you the truth, Bree, that is a, another specialty in itself. Um, the work that I do is all around keeping older people at home. Um, and it is possible, possible but, it, you know, I, I realise it's it's not achievable for everybody. So there, there will become a point um, where an older person needs to leave their home and move into an aged care facility. And and the implications of that is that it involves a lot more uh, financial detail. Um, the other thing with older loved ones moving into an aged care facility is that they need to have a legally appointed substitute decision maker in place, so an enduring power of attorney. And, and that's essential anyway. You know, I'm, I'm 55 and I have an enduring power of attorney. It's, it's really important for everybody, but it's essential uh, for older people, um, because especially, you know, if they're having trouble managing finances or there are memory issues, there needs to be someone appointed uh, and recognised legally to be able to make those decisions uh, for their parents and do those banking transactions. So I think it's great the parents can stay home and have that care come into the to the home. So how many hours are we talking? It just depends on how much they need. Like it does, yeah. So um, to put it in a in a you know a dollar value, um, at the lower end of the spectrum, uh, a level one home care package is about nine and a half thousand dollars a year. It's, that's not a lot of money. Um, and at the other end of the spectrum, a level four package is about $52,500 a 
a year. Now, kind of sounds like a, you know, that sounds like an all right amount of money, but, in, you know, it's, it's not a lot. But um, that at a level four, it can be about, it can be about 15 hours of support per week, but it doesn't always come down to support as in someone's coming into your home and helping you with the shower or cleaning. It might be something else. Um, my mum's on a, on a level four package at home and she has a cleaner once a week. She goes to group exercise classes. She gets her She's still driving in the local area, so she gets her car cleaned um, because she, she just can't manage that, you know, with her. She's got a, a bung shoulder and, um, you know, it's just beyond her. She also gets the dog washed as well um, because she can't wash the dog. That would be a false risk for her. So what one person receives uh, with their support and services will look very different to what another person will receive, and it depends on what their personalised individual needs are. And like you said, that's covered by the government or is that out yeah. of pocket? Yeah. No, that's a all covered by the government. So um, that level four package, as I said, uh, $52,000, $52,500 a year, that's what the government is, is giving my mum to support her to stay at home. And she doesn't have to put a hand in the pocket for any of those services. Yeah, that's incredible. So it can be helping with lawns. It could be helping with cleaning, yeah. washing dogs, taking them to appointments, cooking. Just anything. Yep. That's amazing. Yep, yep. Um, you know, and and the option, you know, there, there are a couple of options. When people get this, those home care packages, most people um, are aware of what we call a traditional model. It's, it's, it's called fully managed. So a person signs up with a provider, could be any provider, and they administer that funding. So with that funding of, say, 9,000 or 52,000, whatever level of package you get, that funding doesn't come into your bank account. Because it's government funding, uh, there's a lot of reporting requirements attached to that funding. So the funding has to go via a provider who then does all the reporting back to the government. So to do all that all that reporting and to organise the services for a person, they, they take a cut of that funding as well. Typically, it's around 25 to 30%, you know, and that's a lot. It's mm. a lot. So, um, the other option now, which is, is very attractive, um, and I, in fact, I've moved my own mum from fully managed to self-managed, is the self-managed model where uh, the provider still manages the funding for the government, but the administrative fees are a lot less. So my mum was with a fully managed provider and they were taking 30% of mum's funding in their admin fees, and now she's with a self-managed provider and the cost for their admin fees is 10%. So mum has saved a significant amount of money um, by going to self-managed. Um, I do that for her. What that means is we go and source our own lawn mowing people and cleaners and physios and anything else, and then we send the invoices to the self-managed provider and they reimburse that from mum's funding into her bank account. So it's very, very, uh, very manageable. Very yeah. manageable. That's really awesome to know. So the steps would be is first and foremost, get that plan together of what hours, you know, you sort of think they need. Uh, yes. Look at look at the uh, My Aged Care website, sort of work out, you know, the whether it's a level one, two, three or four with, you know, uh, looking at that, I guess, preparing your questions. Yeah, well, look, before you get to the to the home care packages, um, as I touched on earlier, there are, with the aged care program, there are two assessment workforces. 
Um, when we're talking about home care packages, the assessment workforce that approves for that is the aged care assessment team or the ACATs. And they're teams of clinicians who are very experienced in older person's care. Prior to that, at a very basic or entry level, it's the regional assessment service or the RAS. And they're non-clinicians, they're a vocational workforce. Uh, and so they don't have that experience that the ACAT clinicians do. And unfortunately, sometimes they're not always aware of what the pro all the programs in, you know, that the government subsidizes. So uh, in the work that I do, I try to get people to the ACAT because, you know, while we have this great home care package program, there are other options available as well. And there's one that's called short term restorative care, which is it's, it's short term, it's over eight weeks, and it's designed to uh, re-able people or restore some function. So it's really good for people who maybe don't need some in-home support and services yet, but, you know, their function's declining, their mobility is not as good as it used to be. So they can get access to that eight-week program. And that's that's funded better than that level four home care package. So over an eight-week period, uh, there's $12,000 attached to that program. And it's, and it's designed for people to access clinicians to restore their function or to enhance their mobility. So you can see a physio or an exercise physiologist, or you can get an OT into your home to recommend installation of grab rails or, you know, maybe some mobility equipment. Um, that is a very good option as well. Uh, and that can only be approved by the aged care assessment team or the ACAT as well. Um, so in the work that I do, I want to get people to the ACAT because it gives them so much more choice and there are so many more options about uh, what they can access to allow them to stay at home. So say, for instance, my mum, you know, she's, she's starting to have problems with her body and, and with functioning. She's got a sur surgery coming up later on in the year where she's going to have to have shoulder surgery. What would be the steps that you would recommend that I take? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that, Bruce. So mum going for surgery, that is actually an eligibility criteria for another program. So uh, that program is called the Transition Care Program or TCP, and it's very similar to the short-term restorative care program that I just discussed. So eligibility for TCP is a hospital admission. Um, so a person would go into hospital, your mum would go into hospital and she would have that surgery. Now, if she recovers really quickly and is going home in a few days, she probably won't get onto the TCP program. But if she's, you know, my mum had the same, uh, had some shoulder surgery uh, as well. And my dad, my dad had gone home on transition care program from hospital admission. That allows you up to 12 weeks of clinician support. So mum's had a shoulder surgery, you know, she may not be able to use her arm for, I don't know, whatever, two months, whatever the doctor prescribes, then she could potentially go home on transition care program and have 12 weeks of a physio and OT coming into her home and literally getting her back on her feet or supporting that in-home rehab that she needs uh, to you know, regain the function of her arm after that shoulder surgery. 
Um, so another thing I say to people is if, if, if your older loved one does end up in hospital and that hospital admission, it can be like an accident or a heart attack or surgery, it doesn't matter what, but if that admission causes them a decrease in their function and they're going home less able than they were, then you need to start to talk, uh, talk to the treating team about can mum or dad go home on the transition care program. Okay. And again, that, that's available from either the public hospital or the private private sector as well. It makes no difference. Uh, it's a Commonwealth program, so it doesn't matter what kind of hospital or even if you have private funding, you can still, uh, private healthcare, you can still get access to that program. Yeah, that's amazing. So there's lots of different programs, obviously, uh, for yeah. our ageing parents. There's so much support out there. Where's the fastest and easiest way? Is it, you know, going to your GP and asking for a referral to My Aged Care? Is it using one of those uh, third parties that manages it? Um, or, you know, what's the best step forward? Because obviously you've given us a lot of really great information, but it's like, where do I start? Where do I go? Yeah, so the first thing I would say is, don't actually go to your GP and get them to do the referral because um, unfortunately GPs were never given the information and they weren't ever educated as to how my aged care work works. So I always encourage people to make the referral themselves because they know themselves, they know their older loved ones better than anybody else. So if you're thinking about mum or dad perhaps needing a bit of support, it's probably a good time to broach a conversation about that. Um, it has to be a really gentle uh, and uh, considerate conversation. The last thing you want to do is ambush your parents because they will push back and, uh, and they'll actually say no to that, to that uh, you know, offer of support. So have a conversation and, and just, you know, just um, convey to them that you're in this together and you want to keep them, you want them to stay in their home for as long as possible. And so it would be a good idea, you know, hey, mum or dad, let's just see if we can get someone into mow the yard. So that's, um, you know, that's, that's a very uh, easy way of approaching it. But I always say to people, make the referral yourself. So write that list, um, have, a, have a good think about, how much support and who is providing the support. It could also be neighbours and friends in addition to yourself. And then um, you could contact, you can call My Age Care uh, on behalf of your older loved one, or you can make an online referral. Um, it doesn't really matter. But after that, uh, after you've triggered that initial referral or contact my education thanks for listening to today's to show you. if you and want to be an expert guest or you've got a weird wacky or wonderful so product to share to don't be shy get in contact with our team at info at pacmag.com.au and then the next step this after podcast that, is proudly produced by pacmag you can listen to more episodes on our website pacmag.com.au will go to the regional assessment service or the aged care assessment team and one of the an assessor from either uh, of those teams will contact you ideally they try to come out to the person's home to assess them but you know uh, with regards to COVID and and the difficulties that that is placing a lot of assessments are done over the phone now 
So that being the case, it's even more important that you have as much information and as much detail as possible because it's difficult to assess people over the phone. You know, we assess them face-to-face -face or over a video conference. But if it's scaled back to a telephone conversation, then the onus is on you to give as much information to the assessor as possible so that, so that your older loved ones are approved uh, for the right services at the right level. Yeah, great. And how long does it usually take for, you know, that initial uh, discussion through to uh, assessment actually being approved and, and yeah, going ahead? Yeah, it, it can take some time. Um, the wait lists are long uh, to get services. The wait lists are, are quite long as well to get an assessment, particularly with the aged care assessment teams or the ACATs. So after that initial contact with uh, My Aged Care, you could expect to be contacted about three weeks after that, maybe two weeks. It wouldn't be any sooner than that. And that would be the assessor saying, I'd like to do an assessment on your older loved one. And, and then they'll, they'll book a date. Uh, and that could be You'd be lucky to get an assessment and another two weeks after that, it's more likely to be about a month. Um, but it does also reflect the urgency. Like if you've, in the conversation you've had, if you've said, um, if you've got someone that really is experiencing carer stress and really feeling like it's a real struggle to keep going, then they would be regarded as a high priority. So they would get assessed before someone that said, oh no, you know, I'm okay, I can wait for a while. So there's, you know, a priority sort of rating within that as assessment um, aspect as well. Uh, so it takes time. Uh, we're talking weeks to months um, potentially to get an assessment. So, you know, that's another reason why if, if you're thinking about it, if someone's thinking that they might need support at home, it's probably best to start acting on that now um, because after that assessment's done and the approvals are done, then it takes many months waiting to actually get that support in the home. Wow. So... There's a lot of information you've given us, but you've just written an amazing book, uh, My Parents Aging, What the Heck Do I Do? Where do we get it from? Because obviously you've got everything in there, which is going to be super helpful for everybody. Everything is in this book. Um, really excited to publish this book. Um, it's, uh, it will be published in July. Uh, and so that's July is, 2022, if you're listening uh, on the replay. July this year, yep, uh, 2022. I will be getting first release or pre-release of those books so people can purchase them via my website. And if they Google See Me Aged Care Navigators, there's actually a link on my homepage to the wait list right now. Um, and then the, the books in the bookstores, they will arrive in the bookstores in September. How exciting. Um, super exciting. This book covers everything that you need to know like we've discussed before you even contact My Aged Care. And then it goes into the detail about the different assessment teams and the different approvals. And the last section uh, is all about the aged care reforms that are proposed to be introduced in July next year, um, which is something that people need to be aware of now. Well, it's a, it sounds like an amazing book. Can't wait to get my hands on it. My parents are aging. What the heck do I do? Uh, what, what was the website again? See me, Aged Care Navigators.
we'll put that in the show notes if you missed that. Uh, but thank you so, so much, Coral, for all your incredible insights and for helping all of us have a little bit more information about what we should do. I know that I've got some calls to make for my uh, for my mum. So that's uh, been really helpful. So thank you so much. Uh, until next time, parents, happy parenting. And don't forget to tell everyone you heard it on PacMag. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you want to be an expert guest or you've got a weird, wacky or wonderful product to share, don't be shy. Get in contact with our team at info at pacmag.com.au. This podcast is proudly produced by PacMag. You can listen to more episodes on our website, pacmag.com.au.